Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about getting the best answers. Ooh. Good, <laughs> better, best. We love the best. Yes. And that doesn't mean the answers you want to hear necessarily, but uh, yeah. yes, when you have a question and you pose it to uh, someone or a group, uh, we're going to talk about how to get the best answers from the people you're asking. And this comes up in uh, at least three, I think, three primary areas on a regular basis for me um, where I am either doing this myself or on behalf of students or advising students about it. But these three things keep coming up where you, where you are asking a question. Um, one of them is reaching out to people on LinkedIn who are in your target market when you're thinking about uh, creating a new product or service or productized service in between the two. Mm-hmm. And you just want to get feedback. And it's, um, it, it's a very particular kind of question asking that it, it's so easy for it to accidentally come off as salesy that you have to be very careful with it and you need to ask in a very specific way. Uh, but it's incredibly beneficial when you find those, you know, not as rare as you might think, types of people who really like helping other people who they, they think are genuinely in need and uh, sharing their expertise over LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the best mm-hmm. place for it that I've found. You could do it over email too, but um, I've gotten really, really good results from this over time with different students and myself. You could kind of do it on Twitter too if your people were on Twitter, but I think LinkedIn is the one that most often comes up. Well, uh, and, and I think probably what we're going to talk about here also applies if you do it through email via recommendation. You know, Correct. Buddy X introduces you to Buddy Y, and then you know you have an email conversation. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I do it over email sometimes. Sometimes people aren't aren't some audiences just don't use LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, so this would apply to email. But the place where I usually do it is LinkedIn, but it'll apply anywhere. Uh, another common kind of question that you'll send out into the universe is when you're looking to go on a podcast tour and you want to reach out to hosts of shows that you'd like to appear on. You think you've got some information that would help their audience. And, you know, how to write that email, how do you ask that question? How do you, how do you execute that ask? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you've seen some crazy ones too, I'm sure. Yeah, you get, you, I, yeah, we're on the receiving end of these. So trust us, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, I think, a very particular way to do it. Um, and, and then the last one is when you're looking for, you're in some sort of training or coaching or something like that, could be one-on-one, it could be a group setting. And you're working on a particular thing and you want to get feedback. So it's some, you're doing some kind of a workshopping activity. Maybe it's uh, changing the positioning on your website or writing an opt-in page or a sales page or uh, something like that, a script for a, for a webinar. Uh, it could even be like a training course video that you put together and you need feedback on it because you're just like lost in the weeds. You, you can't see the forest for the trees and you just need feedback from someone you trust. So it's either this group that you're in or it's a coach or a mentor or a hero or something like that. And you just you just love to get their take on it. And there's you know a particular way to ask that that question uh, that is is going to get you. The best answers. That's the goal here is to get the best answers. First of all, to get an answer. Second of all, to get a good answer or the best answer. And, you know, and and by best, we mean something that's useful and is going to improve your situation. Yeah. And it's also you're taking into account the person you're asking the advice from. Mm -hmm. So if you have a brand question, you're not going to ask a financial guy. 
right. you know, as an example. So it's it's the best answer you can get from the person that you're asking from their sum total of experience and interest in you and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which leads right into the, the first piece of how to ask a really good question is like picking the person you're going to ask. So I suppose it yeah. almost goes without saying, but... Um, but I suppose it's, it's, I, even now that I said that it's actually not, it doesn't go without saying, because a lot of people will ask for feedback about things from people whose opinion isn't relevant. So, you know, you know, asking your spouse, you know, what your, what they think of your website's design when, when it's for like sheet metal manufacturers and, and your wife's not a sheet metal manufacturer or, uh, asking, asking your peers, what your pricing should be, this is a classic, asking your peers what your pricing should be for a product they, they would never buy in a million years. So like that, those sorts of things, like you really, you, you really need to think about who you ask. Don't just throw it out to the, the people you know, you have to ask yourself, do these people, um, do, are these people the right people to ask this kind of a question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so let me just go down. We can just start at the top. I just sort of listed them in the order I had them written down. And talk about some of the things I think about when I'm doing uh, each one of these things. And you can chime in. You know, if you've got other ones, that'd be great too. Oh, but- you think I'm going to chime in? <laughs> <laughs> I hope no so. Problem. I need time to drink my coffee here. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got a motor mouth. You got to steamroll me. Um, okay, so so market research. Like I said, usually I do this on LinkedIn. Could be email. Could be Twitter. Could be Reddit. Wherever your people are hanging out. But you've got an idea for something, and you. You just want to see if it, if there's any spark there before you invest a bunch of time in making it. You know whether it's mm-hmm. writing a sales page or creating a video course or um, designing a productized service. Any of these things, you want to just like test a little bit to see if there's any kind of appetite for it. And the the way I do this is is pretty funny. I everyone, especially engineering types, are like that is stupid, <laughs> but I've tested it and it works. So you know, call me crazy. But uh, when I, you know, let's just assume you're connected to some people, like, let's not even go through the connecting to people part that's specific to the platform. But um, when you are going to do outreach for something like this, it can come across like a a veiled sales attempt. So you need to be extremely um, opposite of that you need to be extremely, um, you need to project the opposite. So I'm. Uh, what I do is I ask. I say, "Hey, would it be okay if I asked you a question?" That and that's it. So we're connected. I reach out and say, "Hey, would it be okay if I could ask you a question?" And and like a lot of my, I've actually had fights in in like Slack rooms with developers who are like, "But you just asked a question. <laughs> <laughs> just send the question if that's what you're going to do." And I'm like, "It doesn't work. It does not work. If you yeah. just send the question, it doesn't work." you'll get way fewer responses. You know, you can, and you could add a little bit more. You could say, hey, I noticed you're an expert in space. Would it be okay if I asked you a question? You know, you're an expert at something. You're an expert at, at I don't know, tango. Could I ask you a quick question? So and, wait a minute, I, I just, I got to address the issue of the developers saying this. So here's, mm-hmm. the di- here's the difference. If you're in person and you look at somebody and you go, can I ask you a question? It feels super manipulative. <laughs> But in this email, the way you're describing, it's not. It's asking for permission. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, especially with someone you don't know. Right. And it's you need. It's perfectly okay. And it's mm-hmm. super short. So, yep. yeah. 
That's yeah. why it feels unnatural because it is manipulative in person. Or it, it can be very often. Mm-hmm. It can feel manipulative to the asker and the receiver. Mm. I don't talk to people in person, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it. And the other the other thing that's going on here, that's a great point about this sort of channel that you're in. Um, the other thing is you really need to come across as the opposite of, I don't want to say timid, but the opposite of pushy, you need to come across as like, it's like massively polite. So that that's the way I see it. And, and like I said, I've, I've tried it both ways over and over and over. And you get better results when you ask if you can ask. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then once you do that, then it's like, you know, we're thinking of putting something together, or I'm thinking of putting together a product um, that but I don't want to do it, if it doesn't solve a problem that really exists. You know, so and then you just ask your question. So the question would be something like, um, you know, what's uh, what's your biggest challenge with regard to analytics on your website? Or, you know, I don't know, what's the you know, what are the what are the main pieces of software that you use in your company on a daily basis? Uh, those are common ones. Or um, are there any areas of your workflow that feel really manual or are a bottleneck? Stuff like that. And so like in, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, I might put together an integration thing or a course on how to use Zapier to plug QuickBooks into an ERP or, you know, whatever. Like whatever my idea is, uh, I need to, what I'm trying to do is see if the problem exists anywhere. And if, if mm-hmm. it does, or, or it could be a variety of problems, but what, what, is the one that, or what is the one that comes up the most often when I ask people about, you know, your biggest challenge with regard to keeping your website analytic making your website analytics useful so you're kind of you're kind of you're not leading the witness too much you're just sort of setting enough context that they can like mentally shift into your what you're looking for and then uh, they might ask for more information uh they usually do but that's okay because then now you're having Mm -hmm. a conversation you you the thing you never want to do yeah the thing you never want to do is drop like three paragraphs on them about okay Here's what we're gonna do. And we're planning on this, and we're thinking like that. Da 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 da. Thoughts, you know. <laughs> at the end, thoughts. Never write thoughts at the end. That would just be a good rule. Yeah, you're not. And the reason, it, I mean, there's a, a few reasons, but ultimately, you're just not going to get the best answer if you just say thoughts at the end. You know, if you if you tell your life story and say thoughts at the end, it's just not going to get you a great answer. So if you just just ask them, so you asked if they, you could ask a question, and then you say, and then you ask the question, and it should be like one sentence, maybe two sentences tops. They should be able to easily read it on their phone. It doesn't need to be, you know, something that needs a bookmark that they're going to come back to. And then if they need more information to clarify, and they again they probably will, but that's good because now you're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. So don't don't guess upfront all the questions they might ask and write this book because they, they're not going to digest it in the right way they need to ease into the pool so to speak so cool yeah i mean this and this this works like you know if you if you send this out to 100 people it, it varies from target market to target market but if you send out that kind of a request to 100 people you're going to get at least 10 good conversations back that are useful information in, in my experience almost always significantly change the direction of the thing you're planning on building and that's if it's uh, 100 people that you don't know yeah, total strangers. Total <laughs> right. strangers. Because you can do the same thing with people that you do know, and they're just more likely to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's a lot easier with people you do know because you know they're gonna. There's no trust. You don't. You don't have to do the trust dance like those super polite 
kind of like I'm not a salesy spammer type. I, I really am just looking yeah. for a piece of information. Well, that's your email list. But what's great about LinkedIn for this purpose is that um, unless you have some really unusual specialty, you can usually find people who who are your people mm-hmm. with some searches on LinkedIn. And if you can't find it with an easy search, you can pay for the pro version and do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... This is um, I think the reason this this scenario came to mind is because so many people do this wrong, uh, because it's 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 a much more delicate kind of ask than you know me blasting my email list with like a, a question you know there because they mm-hmm. there's already trust there or like reaching out to friends and family like those are if you if the people that you're reaching out to already know you and they're an appropriate person to ask then uh, yeah I, I feel like it's. Well, I suppose I could offer some tips there too. Now that you bring it up, uh, the first thing is ask a question. So if you if you if, let's say you're doing market <laughs> research, um, I get I get emails regularly from people on my list who reply to like the welcome message or something like that, and I know they think they're asking a question because there's like t- it's there's just tons of them explaining their situation. I'm in this situation with a client, and I've been billing hourly. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't like it anymore and uh, I don't know what to do. And I'll, and I'll they get this huge email and I'll, the first thing I do is scan for a question mark and there's none. Mm-hmm. Like if there's no question mark, there's no question. They're just imagining that somehow I can know what, you know what I mean? It's, and yeah. so I'll reply and I'll say like, do you have a specific question? Like, thanks for the backstory. Do you have a specific question? And they might say, how, you know, should I go back? Uh, should I just give up and go work full time? Should I go back to my old employer? Should I raise my hourly rate? Should I go through an agency? There's a million questions that could spawn out of this backstory. So I don't know which one to answer. You know, they think you do because that, that's in their mind. Right. But they, but it's just not, it would be well, it, infinite. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> some, sometimes people will tell you a backstory and even though you know the backstory, now and you get them to ask a question they haven't given you the right backstory yeah to answer the question so yeah backstory is really tough I, I like it when people in my email um tell me their backstory as part of getting to know them mm-hmm. i really like that but they're not asking me a question yeah. i asked them a question right i said you know tell me about what you're doing so i love to hear that but if you want a, an answer to a question you, you know, you have to ans- ask the question and give, ideally give the answerer enough information that they can help you. Right. Yeah. And email, especially being less synchronous, I think it's important to provide some context, maybe, maybe more context than I was talking about with the market research on LinkedIn thing. Um, but if you do that, if you do feel like there is backstory necessary, do the, do the person you're asking a favor, ask the question first so they know what to look for in the backstory because if if you give you know three paragraphs of backstory and then ask even if it's a good specific question i have to go back and read <laughs> the backstory again because i wasn't looking mm-hmm. for the clues that lead into the answer so you could yeah. you know something like you know whatever you know nice to, you know thanks for having me on your list uh, i'm really glad to you know you probably won't even see this but i've got a question about you know, whether I should self-publish or whether I should put my book on Amazon. And then here's the backstory. My target market is, you know, people like these chiropractors in France. And I'm thinking about writing a book like this. And, you know, what are the differences between selling? What are the pros and cons of selling it between those two places or whatever? But if Mm -hmm. you, if you 
if you do the question up front, I don't consider it to be blunt. I consider it to be, I mean, you can still be polite and everything, but uh, ask. The, I would I would put the question up front and notice that this is different advice than LinkedIn. It's a different situation. I would put the question up front and then have, um, you know, whatever context you think is necessary, the minimum amount of minimum viable context, I guess <laughs> I would say, after the question. And then if I have, if I need more information, I'll just say that. But um, yeah, that's, that's the way I like to get questions from, that's the way I like to get questions in email from strangers or, you know, people on my list who I don't know yet. I think most people do. And I think that, I think the challenge is that, you know, we were raised to think, well, I have to be polite. You know, I have to, how are you? It's, you know, warm out today. Where are you? You know, like doing that kind of stuff. But when you're reaching out to someone that you don't know, putting the question first is actually thoughtful and polite. And then going into the background, uh, backdrop, backstory, because part of the reason for this is it, it drives, um, at least me, crazy if I get like a three-page email. I don't want to read a three-page email. If you put the question up front if the question is intriguing i'll probably read the three pages because exactly. i'm curious mm -hmm. but if you don't ask me up front i'm like really yeah. i don't even know you i don't want to hear your story right <laughs> you it's, know it's like ask me a question tell me what you're grappling with then i know i can help you and then i want to read the story yeah exactly. hook me right right yeah hook me with it's, an interesting kind of like question. writing a, a newspaper article you know you need that <laughs> newspaper listen to me mm. newspaper article i'm just thinking back to like you know what i learned in journalism 101 is it's all about the headline yeah and the headline is the subject matter for the email you know give that some attention and then the second thing is what's the question and how are you asking it and then you know if you hook us we're going to read the rest mm -hmm. yeah and there is a there's a um a book called let's see where did i learn this i think i learned this from kai davis and, and he learned it from a book called Nonviolent communication which is really good and i'm sorry i can't remember the name of the author but um the uh, asking for a no and I, uh, this, I have, uh, this always endears the writer to me when somebody asks a question and they, they ask for the no. And I, I try to do this all the time too when I'm asking, essentially asking for a favor. And uh, I'll start off with, you know, it's totally fine to say no, but I've got a question about, you know, blah, 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 blah and it's this. And then mm -hmm. ask the question and, uh, and then go, th you know, and then any backstory that's necessary then put it in there. But if you ask, when I get an email like that, and it's like, hey, I know you probably won't even see this, or uh, you probably won't have time to, to, to even respond, and that's fine. Or another one I've seen is, um, uh, if you don't have time to respond to this, just just delete it, and, you know, no worries. And when somebody does that... That is so polite and yeah, thoughtful. Yeah, it's so, it's, I am guaranteed to read that email. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed to read it. So... Because it's I always like, feel like that's the person that needs the help the most because they're being so polite. They're like, "Oh, I know you're busy. You can't." And you're like, "But I want to help you." Yeah, there's there's something incredibly endearing about it. It takes the yeah. um, it lets you off the hook as the reader, the receiver of the email. It lets you off the hook because email is such a to do list, you know. And it's like, oh man, I gotta do all, you know, because I obviously we both get a lot of email. Everybody does. So if somebody's like, look, this is, I know this is a Hail Mary, but you know, and if you don't have time, go ahead and delete this and don't feel bad about it. Um, but I've got a question like, should I self-publish or should I go with a traditional publisher? And I'd be like, oh, I love this topic, you know, so let me see where they're at and I'm probably going to read it. Yeah. Cool. So we're kind of, we actually kind of leapfrogged a little bit into, uh, into the third category, which is, which is like reaching out to. Um, coaches or mentors or heroes or maybe you're in a workshop with like an instructor or something and 
uh, it's funny because I didn't think of this. I didn't think how much the trust level was going to matter here. But now that we're talking through these different scenarios, mm-hmm. I see that, the, that it's very different from from answerer to answerer. Like if they're complete strangers, then I'm going to be super polite. If they are, um, if they're like you know someone that I'm paying to coach me, like my coach, then I'm probably going to be you know, I'm probably going to get right to it, you know, because we've already got the rapport established and we're already in this, uh, we've got this sort of cadence that we're going in. And like the whole point is for me to ask questions and get feedback on stuff. So, you know, there's some difference between the different situations. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Well, where, where do you want to go with this? So I I think the next one that comes up a lot that we haven't really touched on yet is the um, outreach to podcast hosts. Yes. We, we started to talk about it a little, but the the thing the thing here is here's the, here's the wrong way to do it. Well, even backing up a little bit more, let's say you've got a big idea, or you've got a new book, or you've got um, you know a new course. You've got you want to start to or your your mailing list has kind of maxed out and has stopped growing, and you feel like you've kind of saturated the audience that you have access to, and you want to get access to somebody else's audience so that you, your message will spread. Uh, so a great thing to do is to go on a podcast tour where you reach out mm-hmm. to uh, hosts of shows who have guests. Uh, ding, and, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who actually have guests and have an audience that would stand to benefit from hearing you come on as a guest. And okay, great. Now you've got that list. You've got their contact information and you start emailing them, not all at once because uh, it can get pretty confusing, but I would just email a few of them. And, and here's the thing. The thing you don't want to do is send over like your resume and like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm so smart. You know, I'm the blah, blah, blah of blah, blah, blah's TM, you know, and, and mm-hmm. like this super salesy, you know, y- you know, it's, it's basically spam. And it's, it's also very rare that anybody really great, any really great guest would do that. The really great guests you're probably reaching out to. So I don't know, it just sends all the wrong signals. And here's, here's the big problem with it is that it, it only talks about the guest. So the person who's sending the email and it almost never talks about what's in it for my audience. The audience. Yeah. That's all I care about. Well, that's the main thing I care about. I, I don't want to have someone come on and shill their sass to my audience for 45 minutes. I want someone to come on that is going to educate my audience about something that my audience probably cares about, and then later are gonna thank me for having that person on. That's what I want. So I don't really care if, I mean, there are other things, you know, do I, do, if you had a TED talk, that's an indication of something, but. That's you know, a sign of authority. That's yeah. not the reason. There's a lot of TED Talks. That doesn't mean that... That would be irrelevant they, to our audience. or Exactly. Right. So so the, the, the right way, so the, I think the wrong way is to just sort of tout your credentials and, uh, and say, you know, let me know if you'd like to set up a call or let me know what the next steps are. It's just something super presumptuous. Uh, so for me, that what what works has worked for me, and are the kinds that I like to get are where the the guest, the person who's doing the outreach. So, dear listener, it would be you in this case if you wanted to go on a podcast tour. If you sent us a now now we're going to get a million emails, but <laughs> if you sent us a you know a, just a nice hey, I love the show. Uh, you know that recent episode where you know whatever Seth Godin came on it was like the best interview of his I've ever heard. 
kudos. So now like, okay, they've listened to the show. At least they've listened to one episode and, and they know the format. They know what we're like. And they say, listen, I'm a blah, 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 who teaches folks like your audience how to, you know, whatever, live a richer life. I don't know, whatever, whatever the thing is that you teach. And then say, you know, here are three ideas for shows that I think your audience would benefit from. And they just basically, you you basically give them three titles. Like you do the work for them. Mm-hmm. And then like a blurb about what the topic would be about. And then, you know, and then ask for the no. It's fine to say no, but if, you know, would one of these topics be of interest to your audience? If so, reply with like a one, two or three. And, and then I can learn more about the process of coming on the show. And if, if I, you know, if we got that email or if I got that email for ditching hourly from someone, I'd be like, free show. Like they already did all my work. There's the title. There's the notes. <laughs> there's the, the, yeah, there's the link. Because here's the difference. If, if you've got like most of the guests that we have have a book that we, that really captured us. So we knew what we wanted them to talk about. And we right. approached them and said, please come to us. If somebody comes to us, and this is true of any podcast host, you have to think about what do they have to do to know that you're going to be a good guest. So if it's your first podcast appearance, then you know getting the first one is usually the toughest. Then pick somebody with a smaller audience who's desperate for, for guests, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, you need to really pick carefully and I know you said at the very beginning well gee you want to pick hosts who have guests you wouldn't believe how many people have pitched themselves to my clients who have a a no guest podcast right so you've got to do your homework which is part of why doing a good request email is hard you've got to listen to at least one episode and you don't even have to listen to the whole one I would argue listen to one all the way through so you know the the true format, because yeah. some of them will switch it up. And then, you know, listen to snippets of others. If you can reference a specific episode and why you liked it, connect it to your topic. Mm-hmm. And giving them, I love giving them the, the potential titles, but don't even send the email if you can't hook those titles to their audience. Right. I'm thinking of a request I got not too long ago for um, they, they were pitching an expert in family businesses. I'm like, why would we talk about family business? Consulting is not a family business. Right. No, we're not interested. And, you know, so think about that ahead of time. And a lot of times people will just go, oh, well, I'll just send out 10 and I'll write them kind of all the same and I'll save time. Don't right. Yeah. Do that. No. Like if <laughs> yeah. if this sounds like a lot of work, it is. And mm-hmm. you, and guess what? That's why it's not spam. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like that's the that's what separates spam from not spam is you put in some work. I mean yeah. that's that's it. So and here's the thing. Like um, long tail podcasts have an incredibly long tail. Like mm. it, it pops up in my coaching Slack all the time. You know, it's it's not. It's not daily, but there's a, you know, over a hundred people in there and it's very common for someone to be like, I just closed a deal from a client who listened to an episode I recorded three years ago on somebody else's show or like a year ago. They stay around forever and people, when they discover a new podcast, if they really like it, they're going to binge through the back catalog and they just, they just, they have the longest tail of anything. It's amazing. Oh, I had a guy in my Authority Nation uh, group who had bought some other things for me over the years. And I, I think maybe 
I knew him for seven or eight years, something like that. And he happened to mention when I was doing a piece on podcast, he said, well, that's how I met you, Rochelle. I'm like, you did? He goes, yeah, I listened to your podcast. And I'm thinking, an eight-year-old podcast? <laughs> long tail. Yeah, yeah. Very long yeah, did, tail. Didn't you have a story about somebody's eight-year-old? Oh, that was really funny. Yeah, I was um, I was uh, getting a coaching call with a client, and apparently he was telling his, his eight-year-old daughter that he was going to be talking with his coach, Rochelle. And she said, oh, is that Rochelle Moulton? <laughs> I'm like... How does your eight-year-old daughter know me? Well, it turns out he plays the podcast when he's bringing the kids to and from school. And she actually listened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, his 12-year-old apparently is not a fan. Not a fan. But his eight-year-old quite likes it. So, Well, hello, if you're listening now. Um, <laughs> and maybe Shout in 20 out. years... She'll be a, a client. So, yeah. So not, not to go, not to, to be sort of touting the benefits of being on podcasts, either hosting or guesting. Um, but it, it does bring up the, the, the flip side of um, how to reach out to a guest that you would want on the show. And I, you know, we both have done, you know, asked some pretty big names to come on this show. And we put like, I probably spend more time writing those emails than when I used to do project proposals. Yes. <laughs> They're like... <laughs> Sometimes I'll like do it for an hour, let it sit, come back to it the next day, you know. Oh, draft 10. Hello. Draft 10. Yeah, exactly. Draft 10. In fact, the one I'm working on now, I think I'm on like draft seven. Yeah. For our 200th episode. I won't say who because we'll see. We'll see if he says yes. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. Another one. Here's a, here's a classic one. It's sort of, uh, I guess, related to the coaching feedback one. It's more like It's more like a scenario where... You're in a group setting of some kind, and this happens a lot in when I do a, like a, a workshop, like TPS or so, you know the pricing seminar that has a Slack room with a lot of people in it, and they're all there. It's a cohort, so they're like roughly at the same level. They are uh, all there for the same thing. Nobody's really an expert. Uh, it's 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 rare for somebody to be like an expert uh, at any one thing in there. Um, so. But, but it's important for them to give, give and get feedback mm. because that's mm-hmm. part of the, you know, I could just, it's not as beneficial for me to just spout off answers to questions. If they kind of wrestle with somebody else's problem or they, they help someone else wrestle with their problem. So if like Bob helps Alice wrestle with Alice's problem, and then uh, that's going to actually make Bob better at taking advice from, from Carol next time it comes around because you'd be like oh right alice is doing the same thing and now i'm doing it so the kind of workshopping it and brainstorming together is is really beneficial the tricky part there is that since no one's an expert they 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 kind of they can have a hard time knowing how to put a question and they have a tendency to do kind of that brain dump thing the brain dump backstory thing uh and where and then and then maybe or maybe not actually tack a question onto the end of it. So yeah. it'll it'll be around a subject area because each week is broken into like a theme. And then so like oh, I'm like really having a hard time with this product, you know, writing the sales page for a productized service. And like you know, long backstory, you know, like paragraphs and paragraphs. And then like I said, maybe a question at the end, maybe not. And you know, if there's a question, a lot of times it's just thoughts, as we've said before. So in that case, and I actually have a pre-lesson on this before the course starts about getting graceful feedback, you know, giving and getting graceful feedback. And, and the appropriate response 
for the people who are getting asked that question is for someone to say, what kind of feedback are you looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, because if they've written a sales page, there's like a million elements to that. There's like the logo, the design, you know, the colors, the layout, the copy, the headlines, the pricing, the call to action, the length. It's a, you know, it's like what kind of feedback you're looking for. And, you know, it's not uncommon for them to come back and say, oh, well, don't look at the design. I was really just wondering about the, the copy or the headlines or, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the label on the call to action. Or, you know, and maybe they'll have like three things that they want people to look at, but they're probably not looking for feedback on everything about the page. So help, you know, help them give you useful, good, better, best feedback on something uh, for something like a sales page, something that has a lot of moving parts. Uh, And then you're going to get better answers. You're going to get more succinct. You're going to save everybody time, less back and forth. Um, But yeah, I would say, so what, what I say to them is like, uh, well, I'm about to go into how to answer those, but I guess that's not the point of this episode. <laughs> so, but if you do, if you do, you're in that situation, it's like, be clear about what kind of feedback you're looking for. Like what areas of, you know, the page or the, 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 um, proposal or the video, like what kinds of feedback you're looking for? Yeah. I think the more specific, the better. Um, I was once in a lead pages, I think it was Facebook group where you could get feedback on your lead page. And it got to the point where if somebody would do something like, you know, here it is, thoughts, to use your example, the first person to pipe in would be, we want to know exactly what you want feedback on. Right, yeah, And exactly. so, so the group trained the, the new people how to ask and frame questions. It's kind of the same idea. It's the more specific you can be, the more helpful feedback you're going to get. Mm. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it sounds and obvious when you say it, but but people fail to do it all the time. Well, I mean, part of it depends on you know who's in your audience. Are is are the people in whatever community that you're looking at? Are they your potential buyers? Yes or no? I mean, if you're asking like a lead page sort of question, are they your buyers or are they people like you? And if they're like you, what do they have in common with the people who are going to make this choice? So that's also, I mean, it's not that it's not helpful to get feedback, but um, if you're doing a course together, it would be great to get feedback on the things that you're learning together, mm-hmm. right? How am I doing on this piece? How am I doing on that piece? Have I incorporated what we learned in our last seminar or last session or the last video those kinds of things are really helpful when you're in a in a group with peers where you're in a group with potential clients and those are your or buyers and those are to me that's a, kind of a different scenario mm-hmm. yeah so it, yeah that that theme has really sort of taken me by surprise it makes sense though that that depending on who you're asking you might have to dial up the politeness meter to 10 or you might not you might it might make sense for it to be a little bit more blunt uh, you know if it's your coach or something and you're looking for you know quick feedback and that sort of thing so it's kind of like you need to dial the the question asking into the based on the relationship essentially and uh, and then yeah. and then actually ask one I, I think it's important to ask one question not four not even yes. two ask one question one. And then provide context if need be. And this, these, these things like in LinkedIn, they're going to play out over the course of a few messages. It's not going to be one message, 
over email, it might play out a little bit differently in terms of the back and forth. In a Slack room, it's probably going to be a little bit more of a free for all, you know. Um, but yeah, I think I think those things. It's like set your politeness meter at whatever is appropriate and uh, ask the question for like clearly one single question and then provide some context. I mean, that's pr- I feel like that's pretty good a pretty good rule of thumb across the board. Yeah. Yeah, because you're you're thinking about your audience, and that's how you're always going to get the best response. Like in the podcast example, what is it that they're thinking about? You know, in communications, we call it with them. What's in it for me? Meaning yeah. the other party. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're thinking about them, and you it, you make it obvious that you've done enough homework that you can at least on the surface appreciate who they are and where they're coming from. Excellent. All right, cool. that's probably a good place to leave it for this week. A shorter episode. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We've tamed the motor mouth for once. (laughs) Cool. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.